Brothers, sisters, salamu alaikum and welcome back to another episode on the After Maghrib podcast, The Late Night Buzz, a platform where we have serious conversations and today is no different. The ongoing humanitarian crisis unfolding in front of our eyes in the Middle East, no doubt is on everyone's mind. It's a discussion we wish to have and before I delve into this conversation, I'd like to, as always, welcome my co-host, salamu alaikum Ahmed. Salam said, how are you keeping? I'm well, but not um, content at the moment with how life is going, with the things I'm seeing around the world. What about yeah. yourself? Yeah, I think I can agree. I think um, uh, it's a grave time for not only our community or the Muslim Ummah at large, but I think for the entire world, it's uh, a place where the human is now facing a moment of uh, decision-making and defining moral moments mm. in present history um and we have the chance to to understand an issue which is deep rooted in recent history and it's gone back for decades um and to ultimately stand on the side of truth um and and stand up for those who are being oppressed um obviously this is a very sensitive conversation and before we begin i think it's important just to make a note to everyone who's watching and listening at home that inshallah we conduct this conversation with respect, with understanding, um, and with consciousness that we have listeners from different areas of the world, different religions, different backgrounds, communities, and demographics. And of course, there are things we can talk about, and there are also things we're not permitted to talk about. So please bear that in mind. Please understand that from a community perspective, we will do our best, um, inshallah. And we are recording this on Tuesday the 17th of October so everything and anything we discuss is our own opinion and it's as of today uh so yeah I mean to say this is obviously something we've talked about on Instagram for a while we've been sharing a lot of content mm. we've been engaging with uh the audience we've had dozens of people get in touch send in talking points for today's conversation um send in questions but why are we having this conversation because there are people who are not you ask a good question. I, I like how you mentioned that we have been, you know, sharing things on our stories on Instagram, etc. Because I have never seen so much people, you know, have an opinion on a subject like Palestine. Yeah. And to be honest, I wouldn't say that's the reason we're having this conversation. It's because of that. If I can be honest and frank with you, before we even thought about, you know, having this discussion today, we were like, you know, let's discuss Palestine. And I think I said, I want to discuss Palestine because I felt like it's, it meant something to me. Yes, as a Muslim, but someone who, you know, has hope in humanity that the world becomes a better, pl a better place. Yeah. Inshallah, that's the ultimate, ultimate goal that we all, inshallah, aspire to see one day. But I think more importantly, the reason that we're going to have this discussion today is that because we can't stay silent for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. If we see something like oppression happening around the world, and, you know, we always hear if there's, one arm of the Muslim Ummah that's hurt. The entire Muslim is hurt. The entire Muslim Ummah is hurt. Yeah. And I think that's the emotion, emotional side speaking here. But ultimately, why are we having this conversation? That, mm. that's, that's my emotion speaking, but why should we have this? Event? Yeah, that hadith you mentioned is very important. The Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that if the Muslim Ummah is like a body and if an area of the body is affected, the whole night will st the whole body will stay awake at night as if it has a fever. Mm. If you have a, a, a Palestine fever or if you have a, 
Uyghur fever or Kashmiri fever or Yemeni fever and you feel the plight of people, oppressed Muslims around the world, then you are one of the Mu'mineen according to the hadith, inshallah, and Allah will accept you as such. But it's important to say because without trying to get political, and there is a political element to this conversation, but we're, we are not political experts or, or analysts, so we're not going to delve into the politics, uh, and we have to make that clear. But there is uh, an absolute humanitarian crisis, like you said, unfolding before our eyes, a genocide where you have an occupier and an, uh, an occupied population. Um, and what's been happening over the last specifically 10, 11, 12 days, perhaps by the time you're listening to this conversation or even more, is, is heartbreaking. It's truly heartbreaking. At the point of recording, over 3,300 people have been killed in the occupied lands of Gaza, um, also in the West Bank, but more so in, the, in Gaza. One hour before coming to the studio today, we heard that uh, an Ahli Baptist hospital was targeted in a mm. blast. Mm. 500 civilians were killed. There are 5,500 pregnant women in Palestine right now who were due to give birth this month. Mm. This month. And there's 50,000 pregnant women across Palestine. Where are they going to get their health care from? Where are they going to get access to doctors when hospitals are being blown up? Where are they going to get access to water when water, fuel, food, electricity is being cut off? Where are Palestinians going to find shelter and safety when over a million people have been asked to evacu evacuate their homelands and move to another area? And that forced evacuation is in some sense, as the World Health Organization said, is a death sentence to people. Yeah. Because people who are sick on hospital beds, they have no choice. They stay there at risk of dying because they're already unwell, they're already injured, they're already targeted. And if they leave, they lose the access to healthcare and they're also at risk of death. So it is a tragic situation. And there are Muslims, there are Shia in particular, a minority I have to say, who are either silent or reluctant to discuss this, and it's it's disappointing. Why do you think they're silent? Can I ask? Because I've seen posts and I've seen like people come out and yeah. say, you know, what, why are you quiet? Why are you not speaking? Why are you not you know giving a voice to the Palestinians? Why do people honestly, ask that bro? Question? I really don't know. I I really can't get my head around it. Mm. Like the, like, what sort of person do you have to be to not feel pain when you see? A child like Wadir, who's the young boy in Chicago who was 26 times yesterday um, by his landlord because he said he's a Palestinian. Yeah. And if I could stop one more Palestinian from growing up, I will do that. What sort of person do you have to be to look at that and not feel pain? Like a six-year-old a six-year-old boy, how can you find 26 places to, to attack it? I don't want to keep mentioning it because it breaks my heart. Like... Or when you see the video which came out today, I don't know if you saw, there's that young boy wearing a uh, Ronaldo shirt. Do you see that? No, I haven't. Ronaldo no. football kit. And he's crying and he's heartbroken. He's like, I was playing football with my baby nephew. He's like, the ball rolled under a car. I went to grab the ball. He goes, they, they, there was a, a blast. Mm. He goes, my nephew, his back is injured. He said, my friend, his head exploded. And Allah bro, Allah. it was so heartbreaking to hear that. It was so heartbreaking and 
you think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a divine test to these people and also a test to us in how we respond. Mm -hmm. So your question as to why people are silent, I don't know. You know, there's that saying of Malcolm X. Um, it's like something along the lines, I'll, I'll find it. It's like, it's more, it's not the, the, the words of your enemies which hurt, but more the silence of your friends. Yeah. And that's what's disappointing when we see freedom fighters and we see uh, people who are, I say freedom fighters in the sense of ideologically, people who talk about freedom and civil rights and justice are sometimes selective when it comes to choosing who they speak up for. That's disappointing. Uh, but I would rather not do that. I'd rather thank the people and, and, and commend the people who are talking about humanitarian issues and who are talking about oppression because that's the real issue here. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. But I, I just want to say one thing though. And I, and I think it's important that when you see your friend or if you see your neighbor or even a family member, that's not, let's say, you know, raising awareness about what's happening in Palestine and the occupied lands of Palestine, is don't bully them or intimidate them, rather yeah. encourage them. Yeah, and I, I think if we take that approach, where I think people are encouraged to raise awareness, I think, I think it will do magic. Yeah, it'll be magical when, imagine the entire community comes together and raise awareness yeah. about what's happening now in Palestine, rather than why are you not, you are this, you are that. And, you and I think if we take that approach, yeah. I think people will not even think twice. And this is not a religious issue. It's not, it's and not. It's, it's not a political issue, really, in its core. It's a human mm. issue. Mm. And we're talking about people who are oppressed. And yes, there are 1.7 billion Muslims around the world, but you don't have to be a Muslim to understand that there are people who are suffering. And people around the world are coming together and using their voices, and they're using their their uh, their, uh, their networks, they're using their resources mm. to speak up. And that's what's exactly what should be done. You know, people should be using their voices. You know, inshallah, today we'll try and talk about um, ways in which people can make a difference, ways in which people can stand up for the oppressed, and ways in which people can understand the, the issue a bit deeper. But maybe a good place to start saying is trying to understand the origin of, uh, of all of this. Um, not so much in a historical sense, although we can talk about the history. Um, but what's important to note, because obviously this is not an issue which has been going on for, for 10, 12, 14 days. This is going on for a long time, isn't it? It's been going on for many, many years, tens of years, way before I was even born. Yeah. And, and you know, Palestine is not something that I'm not familiar with because I remember as a kid, I think I was even nine or 10 years old at the time, was my first time seeing a little boy getting shot. A little boy getting shot and i was like what nine or ten and I was, already my mind was like something is not right something was wrong Muhammad i am i am Muhammad and that famous picture of his father shielding yes, him yes 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 and his father jamal Dora, who believe it or not also lost his two other sons this week yeah and i, and I saw there was a video that's doing the rounds of him and you know he even touches about Karbala talks about and Imam al-Hussein when he speaks about his sons and the situation yeah. in Palestine but just before I even go into the history let's say of the history I just want to go back to the silencing if wow. I can say to that point where it's not even just us I think the most deafening silence is where the world doesn't talk about it yeah where you know people don't mind coming out straight away which I don't I don't care condemn Hamas all you want but you have to condemn the other side Mm. 
you know, when there's innocent civilians at this time, we're talking about how many? You said the statistic. What was the number? Yeah, over 3,000. Over 3,000. Over 10,000 10, injured. 10,000 injured. So many, so many and, stats. And what's sad about this whole catast catastrophe yeah. is what? In Palestine, in this Gaza, I'm not even going to call it Gaza, is Gaza yeah. the correct pronunciation? They don't even have bulldozers or diggers and things to take people out of the rubble. Yeah. Bro, they're using their hands, their hands and they're saying there are thousands under the rubble they haven't been able to reach. So, you know, it, it didn't start last week or it didn't start two weeks ago. It didn't start on the 7th of October. It started in the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean the, the history goes back mm. to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 1918. Um and when we talk about the early 1900s with the Balfour Declaration, we talk about the gradual colonialization yeah. of Gaza or Palestine in general. It's um, it's it comes back to the conversation of apartheid and colonization. The colonization at play is is really no different to uh, colonization we see in other parts of the world. Yeah, we've seen yeah, colonization yeah. across the Middle East. We've seen colonization in the subcontinent. We've seen colonization in Oceania and Australasia. We've seen colonization in Africa. We've seen colonization in North America. We've seen colonization in South America. We've seen colonization to degrees in Europe. Where in the world has there not been traces of colonization? And we are now children, diaspora children of colonized people who are witnessing the plight of, of the Palestinians. And we are, are recognizing this is very similar to many of the cases we've seen in the past mm. and many times in the past we have well i say we i'm saying that the world has oppressed the people and then hundreds of years later stood on the same land where indigenous people have stood and said oh here's a memorial day for the indigenous people of this land who were butchered or who were uh, mass genocidally killed hundreds of years ago and we have memorial day no we can stop that from happening right now you know because there's a genocide at play right now do you see what i mean so from the early 1900s up until 1947 where the state of israel was created okay legally and the gradual growth of illegal settlements in palestinian land um is one thing but obviously there's a much deeper issue and that is the allowance or the enabling of such an occupation to take place, that illegal occupation to take place. When you've got people from Mandela to Desmond Tutu who have stood up and called this an apartheid state, and we're talking about South Africans who recognize what yeah. an apartheid state is, mm. when you have uh, f uh, uh, civil rights leaders across the 20th and the 21st centuries who have been talking about this issue, it becomes a globally accepted issue. It's not a political issue today. It's a globally accepted humanitarian issue over 100 years. So this is something important to note because a lot of the time, as a community, everyone says, put your hands together and make du'a. Okay, yes, 1,000%. Du'a is the weapon of the believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them to the Holy Quran, remember me and I'll remember you. He tells us that come to me in du'a, I will respond to your du'a. Mm. Yeah? Like, you will not, your du'a will not be as impactful if you don't know what you're praying for. Like, if you don't know the root of the issue, you're just praying for, for what you see today. Well, well, the sad thing, and you know, what I think, in my opinion, is what's paved the way for this, this endless occupation, if we can call it, this endless apartheid system that, that exists in the state of Israel and in the occupied lands, is that 
you know, this deafening silence that I mentioned earlier is that just people don't say nothing. Yeah. People don't care. It's become normal. I mean, right now, I was thinking earlier today, I was genuinely thinking when I, you know, was reflecting on, you know, them being a blocked access to drinking water in yeah. Gaza, for example. I was thinking, you know what? We feed animals. In London Zoo, we ensure yeah. that the animals in the cages, they get fed properly. The one looked after, the, you know, the nutrition is up to date. They ensure the water intake is up to date, but no one cares about a Palestinian. So what I feel, the world, they don't give a flying monkey about a Palestinian, if I'm honest. I only use other words, but I have to use this word on the podcast, mm-hmm. is that, and it's sad for me to even compare the two, the life of a Palestinian at the moment, in the eyes of the Western world, I'm going to be as frank as it is, is worth less yeah. than the animals in London Zoo. Mm-hmm. That's the stage we've reached. And that's because of it's this deafening st- silence yeah. that's been allowed to continue. It's become a statistic. So yep. it's become yep. a numbers yep. game. You're desensitized. So when it becomes... And I apologize for comparing that. Yeah, I, mean, I do not want to do that, but I'm just trying yeah, to say you know, right. how real the situation they are facing. And when, bro, when you talk about people wiped off the face of the earth, like as things stand, 47 uh, Palestinian families have been wiped off the, the Palestinian health ministries register and by the way when they say families they're yes. not talking about two three siblings yeah, a mom and a dad no an entire generation an entire Ashira lineage, for those who a whole understand. tribe yeah, and yeah, Ashira, yeah. a surname wiped off the face of the earth 47 mm-hmm. families and when you talk about 47 families and we're talking about middle east and palestinian families which likely have 10 15 people per family yeah. in av- on average you know with nephews and cousins and sons and daughters and all of that you're talking about hundreds of people mm. who've been wiped off the face of the earth. Mm. Their heritage, their DNA has been erased forever. And when you say 47 families, or if you are to say 57 or 37, are we more moved or less moved? No, not, not as much as we should be, because statistics don't always tell a story. Yeah. They might tell a story when you're understanding, you know, the, the, the tides at play. Yeah. But not really when it comes to dictating or guiding your emotional direction. Mm-hmm. All right. I just want to un- make it clear because, of course, there are people who have suffered in this conflict. In, in, and I'm going to be very honest with you, and I know I'm going to get heat for this, but on both sides who have been killed. Okay. And it is civilians. Civilians. It's civilian lives which have been lost. And it's civilian lives and harm to civilians is against international law. It's against the Geneva Convention and it's against Islamic law. Mm. Okay. So, and it's against, uh, it's against Judaic law as well. So, this is fiqh according to Judaism, according to Islam. These are, these are obligations. They are jurisprudential obligations on Muslims and Jews. Yep. And on top of that as well, on the international scene, this is illegal. All right. So, a life lost is a life lost. The Holy Quran tells us that killing one person is equivalent to killing the entire humanity. of humanity. Mm. All right. So any life lost is a human life lost is a travesty. It's one less person that has the opportunity to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the normal state of death, which should be the case. No one should be killed on this planet. No one should be killed and no one should be killed, especially unfairly, unjustly. Okay. But we're talking about a situation now in Gaza where every uh, four to five minutes, people are dying. Yeah. So if you do the maths, every hour, 14 Palestinians have been killed. 14 Palestinians have been killed. That means on average, since this conflict began last week, Saturday, every four to five minutes, someone is killed. 
Mm. And that stat might have gone up by now, by the time you're listening to this. Inshallah, it doesn't. Inshallah, it goes down. But what sort of world do we have to live in where someone is being killed? And we're not talking about any population. We're talking about the world's most condensed area. We're talking about the largest open air prison in the world. We're talking about a place where 70% of people are refugees, 40 to 50% of people are children. That means if you're talking about someone dying every four to five minutes, on average, you're talking about a child being killed every eight minutes or nine mm. minutes. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Like, that is not normal, bro. That we're talking about five-year-olds and six-year-olds, and we've got people who are saying, oh, aren't, aren't the Palestinians anti-Shia? Do you know... I want to get into that convo a How much that on. annoys me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know how much that annoys me? Like, mm. I'm sorry, but we're talking about kids here. We're talking about children. We're talking about people who are innocent. So, like, that, that really, really frustrates me. Oh, and you know, knowing that there are babies, yeah. infants, newborns, mothers, innocent civilians, all these people. No, and and you know, the worst thing, and I, and, I, and I think what is even more sad, you know, and I spoke about the water thing earlier, yeah. is that, okay, let's say there's no drinking water. Well, now what happens to the mother who's nursing her infant? Uh -huh. how, how is she able to nurse that infant who needs to survive? He, need, he, he, needs, to, he needs to get nursed. Yeah. There's no other thing. And, and that's the one thing that took me to... To, I, I wouldn't compare it 100%, but it took me, bro, it took me to the plains of Karbala, Allah, yeah. where we remember, you know, Hazrat Ali Al-Azgar, where he was unable to be nursed because there was no water. Yeah. Yani, when you say the Shias, people say, you know, they say Shias should not stand for Palestine. But this is a minority. They say Shias but, should yeah. not stand. No, no, they say this out loud. I've, heard, I've read but, Twitter. But that is, that's not a majority. It's, yeah, opinion, it's, it's yeah. not the majority of voices. That's right. Yes. But then you do have these pockets yes, who sadly yes. their voice is amplified and yeah. people like to share their, their, their opinions around the world where they say Shia shouldn't stand for Palestine because Palestinians, they do what? They kill the Shia. Palestinians are Nawasa. Palestinians, they don't love the Ahlul Bayt. Palestinians have been bombing us in Iraq and Syria. All of these things. No problem, Habibi. Well, that's a very small minority. Yeah. The majority of Palestinians, bro, they believe in La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and they have love and respect for the Ahlul Bayt. And they are, they are Shia in Palestine. And even if they were not, they are part of the Ummah. They mm. are our, our, our brothers and sisters. And that should not be forgotten. And a child is a child. And an innocent civilian is an innocent civilian. And someone who has been, their life has been taken unjustly, they didn't have the chance to, to reconcile ideologically with, with other Muslims. Do you see what I mean? Like their life has been cut short. Early, earlier than their, their initial predestined natural death. And by the was. way, this, this thing about these Palestinians normally stems from Iraqis. Yeah. And I'll yeah, be very honest. Why? Because, true. you know, we did face some suffered. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's, there's no denying the that. Bathy. And there is no denying that, yes, Palestinians, people of Palestinian nationality, did come to Iraq and, you know, do the suicide bombing and things like that. That did happen. But they yeah. need to remember Iraqis did that too. Mm -hmm. Other nationalities, nationalities did that too. Yeah. So it wasn't just the Palestinians. Yeah. And it's really unfair to say to a Shia that the Shia shouldn't stand up for Palestine. Uh -huh. Because that's not the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. No, it's not the akhlaq of Imam Ali alayhi salam. And it's definitely not the akhlaq of Imam al-Mahdi ajallah ta'ala al no, sure, Because yeah. we know wherever there is oppression, number one, Allah is with them. Mm -hmm. Allah is with them wherever they are. Any oppression, be it Muslim or non-Muslim, when someone is facing oppression, Allah is with them. Yeah. And we know Imam Mahdi Sharif, when he returns, there's a reason for his return. Yeah. And what's that reason? Is that when we you know when the world is filled with injustice and tyranny, inshallah, he's he's here to return to restore justice and equality and everything. Yeah. yeah and this is something we yearn, we hope, and inshallah, we live to see that. Mm -hmm. And we live to see a world where, you know, 
the Shia do represent Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad for what we truly are, and that's we look up, look after everyone, not just Shia, not just lovers of, of Imam Ali, not just lovers of Imam Al Hussein, but the entire world, whether Muslim, Christian, Jew, or someone who doesn't even believe in God. We have to look after them from a humanitarian perspective because Imam Ali السلام, says a brother is either a person is either your brother, brother in faith, faith or your equal in humanity mm -hmm. and this is a humanitarian crisis it is ahsant ahsant you know there's uh um like there's a lot of things that we need to be aware of um and i think it's important for us to talk about what can be done a lot of people have sent in questions asking about what what we can do what we can do there's a few things i want to i want to mention here um actually before we get into that i want to save that what we can do as a solution or okay, as a save, solution. Save, but save. we'll come to that okay. because i i want to highlight mass hypocrisy that we're seeing okay double standards double standards everywhere we look unfortunately okay double standards in the western media mm. double standards on social media mm. double standards by local politicians and by international politicians we have seen misinformation spread and accepted and not just accepted propagated on mass yeah yeah, yeah. it's on newspapers as well yeah by 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 politicians journalists and organizations from the east to the west okay i'm talking about ben shapiro if you ever watch this you are um unfortunately not a not a, not a good person this guy has no heart bro ben shapiro who tweeted out an ai generated image of uh, a burnt child and said you know blamed the the Palestinian people. I, I'm not. I don't want to get into the politics, like I mentioned. But using AI images for propaganda is not the first time we've seen that. There's a war machine that's going on here. Major news outlets talking about 40 babies. Well, unfortunately, that was never verified. Even that President Biden said that, and they retracted the statement. Yeah, the saying, White House had yeah. to come and say it's not verified. Yeah, exactly. We've seen the same statement happen in the UK. We've seen it printed over main mainstream tabloids in the UK, and of course apologies and retractions because these things are not verified where what is verified is the at present 754 babies which have been killed children have been killed in palestine as of right now you know at the date we're recording and it's not just a statistic coming out of palestine no our eyes have seen the images yeah and our, our eyes have seen the actual videos right exactly. of the massacres see, of the genocide that's taking yeah. place yeah, yeah. but but look when i talk about hypocrisy and uh, misinformation all i want to say is that has existed before. It's existed in the past. It's existed in the racial struggles of African Americans. It's existed in, for example, we talked about the South African apartheid. It's existed in the UK when it talks about the right for women's voting. It's existed in different forms of oppression which have taken place on mm. different corners of different corners of the world. All right. But what I really want to mention is about the, the individual responsibility to share accurate information. Brothers and sisters, if you hear something online or you see something online, please go and verify it. Go mm. and check where the source of information is. Find out what you're, what you're hearing or what you're listening to and understand if it's true or not. There are people who have come out and said there has, there has never been an, an attempt to find sovereignty for the Palestinians in a non-violent manner. The Great Return March, which took place a few years ago, for one year, Palestinians marched without arms, without Every violence. Every week, right? Yeah. yeah. Without arms, without violence, to stand, you know, to find peace and to find independence. Razan Abu Najjar, a young medic, 22, 23 years old girl, was killed treating the wounds of people who were injured in that conflict. Ibrahim Abu Faraya, this guy was a martyr, a shaheed, who, who lost all his limbs in 2014 bombings. 
He then went to the march five years later. Mm. He was holding a flag with whichever limbs he has left, and he was martyred there. Um, Rachel Corey, an American, Caucasian, white, young journalist girl, not Muslim, traveled to Palestine, was run over by an Israeli bulldozer. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because there has to be something which strikes people to understand that this is a crisis which is beyond Islam, Judaism, or people of politics and governments. This is a question of haq and babal. This is a question of right and wrong. Never has it been more clearly understood or evident for our eyes to see that innocent people are being killed, regardless of where they're from. You know, uh, Shireen Abu Akla, who's the Al Jazeera reporter who was killed. She wasn't yeah. a Muslim. She's a Palestinian. Mm -hmm. She wasn't a Muslim. Mm -hmm. She was. She was. She she was killed. And at her funeral procession, the people who were carrying her coffin were attacked as well, all on video. And my my point is, is that when when we live in a world where at present fifty media organisations uh, uh, have been targeted, you know, we're talking about the likes of uh, Associated Press, AP, Al Jazeera. Al Ma'an, there are so many other media organizations, if I remember correctly, which yeah. have been targeted. You know, 11 journalists have been killed so far. Fake news will always be rampant, but it's, it's incumbent upon us as Muslims to always verify before we hear anything. We treat, you know, we, we have that methodology when it comes to hadith. Like, oh, is this hadith authentic? Is it sahih? We have to check all the source. But when it comes to mainstream news, we don't apply the same logic. So there's, there are double standards at play here. Oh, and there's double standards that we see in the media. There's no joke. Yeah. I mean, when we read headlines and when we see, you know, the way some articles are presented, the way some, you know, you know the, 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 what, what the presenters narrate uh -huh. while they're, you know, trying to say this is what's happening. Yeah. The certain ways of how they word things, mm. bro, is shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I saw, for example, you know, when there was Israelis that died, they said the Israelis were killed. Yeah. When the Palestinians were killed, they said the Palestinians yeah. died. Tweeted by Sky News. Yeah. BBC as well. Yeah. And the most shocking thing as well that I came across today that I saw was the apology. Finally, the BBC came out to apologize. And although I think it's too late, where they said, you know, on the weekend when there was, you know, the mass protests, pro-Palestine protests that was happening. They said it was a pro-terrorist protest. Yeah. They said what? What did they say? I was shocked when I heard yeah, it. Yeah. I was like, you, they were like, Rishi Sunak went to a Jewish school in the morning. Two, what? Stand with the Jewish community. No problem. Or what did the presenter say? And because of that, go what, listen to the words. And because of that, what Rishi Sunak did, a pro-Palestinian march went out in protest of pro-Hamas. Then they had to retract that and then said, and now, and here, and here's the weather. Anyway, not, yeah, not, yeah, not, yeah. not, not to make yeah. fun out of it, but this is, this is how serious it is. And people who watch the news and they have no other source of information apart from the BBC or from Sky News or CNN or whatever channels that they watch. Yeah. When it's one-sided and when it's all biased towards one government, yeah. of course you're going to grow up thinking, you know what? Everyone's a terrorist. Everyone's it's, a terrorist. Everyone wants to kill you. The whole world's <clears throat> against you. This war is, is us vis the free world, for example. When in reality, if, if they remove the double standards and they remove the bias and the reporter for what, what it really truly is, bro, you can report it very nicely, you know? Mm. Occupied Palestine, apartheid, genocide. You yeah. can mention all these things freely. Yeah. But the moment you take that one side, you deny the Palestinians 
a voice mm -hmm. and it's not a voice that just randomly came out no bro they have a right for this this is their land this is their home and i'm shocked that you can be a refugee in your own land mm -hmm. this is something i don't understand no you're right yeah i mean there's 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 so much uh intensity here you know dominic allen who is the unfpa's ambassador or representative of palestine continuing to talk about the humanitarian side yeah he said that the healthcare system there is on the verge of collapse yeah 20 ambulances have been targeted we talked about the hospital which of course was destroyed blasted today and this tragic news where hundreds of people have died estimated 500 perhaps even more um all in all it kind of begs the question what now okay i with your permission said i want to kind of give a a short bullet point list of what i think we need to do okay and then we can discuss and expand on it the first thing we need to do is da'a da'a is an action plan da'a is what we should wake up in the morning and do and before we go to sleep we do now it's very easy to say make da'a we all make da'a do we do it enough probably not do we do it correctly probably not make da'a use your da'a as a springboard to then do other things pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the strength and knowledge to make a difference then look for that strength and knowledge it doesn't end there educate yourself what is the geneva convention who does it apply to what is a war crime what does it mean what are international human rights laws and how are they imposed on different countries that's the second thing the third thing have conversations when you hear people who are talking about this situation in a way you don't agree with it bring it down to a level they understand if you own a house, if you own a piece of land and your family's lived there for hundreds of years and someone comes in one day and says, I have a right to be here because I believe I have a right to be here and because my, my, my heritage and my textual heritage says I do. Mm -hmm. So let me have a piece of your land. That analogy will mean more to people because it's more relatable than understanding the actual conflict at large. So have that conversation, bring it down to the people. Don't get angry with people. Don't use violence with people. We are people who are not uh, violent by nature. So don't use violence. Use the right approach when you speak to people. Another thing, understand the religious aqidi uh, connotations that come with the, the lands of Palestine and also the, the concept of tyranny and oppression, but also colonization. You know, in Surah Al-Shu'ra, when Allah subhanahu wa talks about the story of Nabi Musa alayhi salam, mm. he says Musa alayhi salam, when he returned to Fir'aun, he returned to Fir'aun, and Fir'aun used a very smart propaganda colonial tactic. He said, are we not the people who raised you in our house as our own children? He tells Nabi Musa alayhi salam. This is similar to a, a colonizer's mentality. I gave you, I gave you employment, I gave you rights, I gave you, do you know what I mean? Nabi Musa what does he do? He speaks up. He says, you have enslaved my people. Use your voices, brothers and sisters. We are Husseinis. That means we do not sit down or remain quiet when there is uh, oppression. We are not going to be complicit in oppression. We will not remain silent like the ones who abandoned uh, Hazrat Muslim in Kufa. Or the ones who abandoned Imam Hussain in Karbala. Or the ones who abandoned Amir al-Mu'mineen. Or the ones who abandoned Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There are countless examples in our history of people who have stood up, said something, and not thought about the repercussions on their own comfort and their personal lifestyle, but have been able to say something for the greater good. Because when you make a sacrifice, Allah will elevate you in the, in the Akhirah. So I think it's really important we take these 
forward. We educate ourselves as an ummah. We organize ourselves as an ummah. And we are, are able to respond when we see oppression. There are other things which we can talk about, but obviously, we, like we said, we don't want to get too, too political. There are things like the, the, the boycott, divest, and sanctioning scheme where, where you, know, you don't put money towards certain organizations. But mm. this is something we are not experts in. We, we, if you want to learn more about it, there's a lot of stuff online. But there is a lot we can do, and we are Muslims, first and foremost, and Muslims are pro-humanity and pro-peace. So it's very important to discuss that. Well, it's a nice perspective you gave as a Muslim for us, inshallah, to implement, and inshallah, you know, share with everyone else. And if you're, you know, listening to the podcast now, maybe this is something we can learn from and not just apply it into Palestine, but yeah. any oppression that we see around the world. But, you know, also there has to be a solution, not just for Muslims. Yes, because the, the, the you know the the real issue in Palestine is not just Muslims, and it's definitely not Jews versus Muslims. Let uh -huh. me just make that clear as well. Jews are people of peace, and they are brothers, Abrahamic brothers. And you know, I, I I think there is a simple solution, in my opinion, where let's say the fighting ends. At least you know something happens where yes, yes. civilians are you know let's say protected and safe. In, in that sense, is number one. I think Israel needs to first first of all accept that you know. They need to give in to the rightful demands of the Palestinians, whether it's, you know, freedom in their land, whether it's, you know, listening to the rights of Palestinians, telling them to stop expanding your settlements into their land. Yani I can't bear to think someone coming to my home, kicking me out and saying, now it's my home. Uh, bro, I'm going to go mad. Yani yeah. It doesn't work, especially, you know, you got wife, you got kids. Like, bro, you've been there all your life. You, you made home home and then someone else calls you home. Yani there's certain things I think if, you know, this is so simple. I, I don't even want to explain it because one shouldn't even explain that my home is my home. But my point is certain things that Israel needs to accept is that Palestinians have rights. They have a right to freedom. They have a right to live. They have a right to work. They have a right to eat. Yeah. And they have a right to go to work and earn a living. This is something they're very restricted with. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and it's not just in, in, in bro, it's not just in Gaza. In Gaza. It's in the West Bank, it's in Jerusalem, it happens everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something to just let them live, let them feel like what it is to be a human being. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If the solution, no one wants to give up land. I'm not saying you have a right to it. I'm not saying they have a right to it. We all know who has a right to the land. But if, if, no, if nothing is going anywhere, bro, just let people I live. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to, you know, be the aggressor. You don't need to be, you know, having a, a situation where you're fine with you as a government or fine with you as a state or fine with you as people of Israel, citizens of Israel, allowing the apartheid to continue. Yeah. It's not, Wallah's not right. Yeah. And when you, bro, when you think of it, uh, like this as well. And on a human level, I'm talking, yeah, I'm not yeah, even yeah, talking yeah. politics. I'm and, not and, even talking. And, and, and the, the recommendation for evacuation or, or for example, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted today, why are no neighboring states taking refugees from Palestine? Because accepting people from palestine is legitimizing the fact that people think that this is not palestinian land because the minute palestinians leave their land they've given up their cause now rightly or wrongly it's a legitimate argument you can literally you can legitimately say that i would rather stay where i am and risk my life than i would to leave my life to leave my land and, and live peacefully elsewhere now you as an individual might not do that. You might have a different way of doing things and you'd say, no, oh, I'd rather save my family. But look, we're not talking about what you would do. We're talking about what is being done by the native, by the indigenous Palestinians who are there right now. Mm. Okay. Um, to add on, what you're saying is 100% right. And then on top of that, say this, it's important to understand that our calls are, like you said, are for, um, to end the occupation because 
when the people in the protest say no justice, no peace, it means you will not find peace until there's justice for the Palestinians. You know. Secondly, we call for corridors of human humanitarian aid to be brought into Palestine, and let the UN bring in aid. If you if 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 no one else is allowed to, let the UN bring in aid, food, water, supplies. When water is is running out for over two million people in shelters. I was reading they're drinking seawater at the moment. How can you humanly drink seawater? When you when you, when water's running out for over two million people, let there be a ceasefire, end the violence, call call for peace and uh ceasefire, and allow humanitarian aid into civilian populations. The UN says that if you are an occupying state like Israel is at the moment, then you have rights over the, the occupied population. And one of those rights is basic human rights uh, and basic necessities like food and water and fuel and electricity. So that's the second th and the third thing we call for. The first being end the occupation. Mm. But at the bare minimum, immediately, a ceasefire of violence and corridors of humanitarian aid to come into the state of Palestine. Because without that, people will die. And if they're not dying from bombs, they're dying from starvation. And if they're not dying from starvation, they're dying from thirst. And if they're not dying from thirst, they're dying from trauma. And that is the, the sad state of affairs because we are talking about generations of youth and children who, if they survive this conflict, this bloody conflict, which has raged on for hundreds of years now, or at least decades, at least 75 mm. years, mm. if that generation survives, they will be traumatized psychologically for the next hundred years. We have to stop this escalating further than where it already is. And unfortunately, um, it's, a, it's in a very bad place and people, we need to come together. We need to show solidarity with the oppressed people. We need to show solidarity with people whose lives are at risk, who, whose family are being murdered and martyred. And these are real human beings. Shema uh, Saydam. This was a 12th grader in Palestine whose mm. life was lost this week. This girl scored 99.6% on her 12th grade exam. She was ranked number one in the whole of Palestine for her marks in school. She died this week. What would she have done with her life? I read yesterday about a reconstructive plastic surgeon mm. who was from the UK who died because of what? He was there treating people who are in need. We're talking about humanitarian aid workers. We're talking about students. We're talking about journalists. We're talking about babies and mothers. We're talking about human beings. We're not talking about people in the front lines. And that's not our business. We're talking about people who are innocent human beings. So, look, we've talked a lot, I think, say we've, we've, we've obviously um, stepped into different areas. But have these conversations, brothers, to speak to your friends, mm. speak to your families, engage in conversations with your peers, your colleagues at work, your, your classmates at school. Don't be shy to have the conversation. What I would say, my sisters, is don't be shy to have these conversations. Don't feel afraid to have these conversations. Speak to your classmates at school. Speak to your colleagues at work. It doesn't mean you have to go up to someone and ask them, why aren't you speaking about it? What are your views on it? No. It means if you see injustice, if you see a misrepresentation, educate people, inform them, have conversations, and engage in forming a bond of humanitarianism with people. Because whatever side of the fence you sit on, you value human life. You can be on any side of the fence, support any organization or any government. You value human life. And if you value human life for one side, you should value human life for all sides. And if you don't, that is hypocrisy. So ultimately, inshallah, this is all, uh, uh, like you said earlier, said these are signs for the Lord of the Holy Imam. And we pray, inshallah, for his return. And we say in Dua Nudba, 
where is the one who will come and end just uh end tyranny and oppression and we say when when will you see me and when will we see you see uh, when will we see you and when will you see us and and you know when we say that to the our awaited imam we we try to build that connection with our imam like this is a time more than ever that we're striving to build a connection with imam how we how do we do that there is a time, you know, and just before we get into Imam al-Mahdi, I just want to echo what you said about silencing and yeah. don't be silent. And, you know, if we say we are from the Shia of Imam al-Hussein, yeah. and we are from the lovers of the Ahl al-Bayt, and we follow the footsteps of Rasulullah, we take Karbala as like our pinnacle, or, you know, the, the where we learn the most lessons from that we can implement in such scenarios and situations that we see today. And Imam Hussein Imam Hussein says something very beautiful that we can learn from. Yeah. And he and he goes on to say in the narration, those who are silent when others are oppressed are guilty of oppression themselves. themselves yeah, and, he, and we're not telling you, you know, go go say, oh, free, free Palestine, go jump up and down. No one is saying that. Relax, calm down, relax. But if something comes up, a conversation does come up, stand up for the yeah, Palestinians. Say something. Don't don't and not just Palestinians, oppression wherever it is. Like right now, you know, we've had just in the last few days. A, a bombing in Afghanistan Ahsan. on the Shia. Oh, I haven't heard a single 20 word. Twenty lives were lost. I haven't heard a single word. I've seen one Shia charities talk about it. One Shia charity. It may, I might be wrong. This is my point. Yeah, and don't just let emotion take you to a certain location bro, around the world. It's not just rather oppression as a whole. I said Yemen, the most forgotten people in the world. Millions of people at famine. Mm. A third of the country risk of, of risk of, of death by famine. Since 2015, Yemen has suffered. The Uyghurs uh, in in uh, China. China who have suffered for years, the Rohingya in uh, Myanmar, who have suffered for years, like these are populations, Kashmiri Muslims who have suffered for years, you know, where to, even Sudanese, like there's, the list is endless, forget mm. even internationally, even locally in your own postcode, there are people who are homeless and sleeping on the streets. You know, I was reading, I was going back through some old posts yesterday, and I found an article which I shared like many years ago, yeah. about a homeless guy who passed away next to my university, um, because of the winter cold mm. and i remember how i felt on that day when i saw that post it brought me back yeah I remember like how heartbreaking it was because we were running a homeless campaign in our university at that time and i'm thinking like subhanallah as muslims or just as human beings it's very easy to get emotionally fatigued it's very easy to build up emotion really fast to get really passionate and then to to die down you, you get tired, you get drained after two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It can be with sport, you feel the same. It can be mm. with, with uh, religion, you feel the same. It can be with your exams and revision, you feel the same. It's very hard to remain consistent with your energy across a year. When it comes to Muharram and Ashura, yeah. how often do we see people's energy levels dip before Arabayin and then pick up again and not remain consistent? When it comes to natural disasters or wars, how often do we see there's a lot of talk and a lot of hype and then it dies down after two, three, four weeks? Do not let that happen. It's very easy for us to get frustrated and fatigued. But yeah, we've got to stay positive. And look, we have to remember there's the bigger picture of the Dhuhr of the awaited Imam. Imam al-Mahdi is coming and inshallah we pray we're amongst him. Inshallah, and you know, I mentioned earlier in the conversation that yeah. you know the arrival of Imam Al Mahdi, may Allah hasten his reappearance, is something we all look forward to, and it's something that Inshallah we live to see in our lifetime. Amen. 
and uh, we pray يعني, you know the, the suffering ends the oppression ends you know everything that's wrong that's happening around the world gets corrected via the yeah. government of Imam Al-Mahdi Sharif. and you ask you know how can we prepare for Imam Al-Mahdi and, and I, I do have a narration or two that I will share maybe the listeners will find beneficial one I've come, I've come across in Bahar Al-Anwar volume 52 page 140 and it's a narration by Imam Jafar al-Sadiq alayhi salam where he says a person who would like to be among the companions of Al-Qa'im should be in a state of active waiting intadhar and perform all of his deeds at a level higher than taqwa mm. and with the most beautiful etiquette and the one, uh, and then one will be counted as being in a state of true waiting mm. then if such a person was to die and al-qa'im was to make his advent after this then that person would receive the reward as the one who witnessed al-mahdi's ad- return basically i said i want to i want to shout out act the instagram page active intadhar have you heard of them yeah i have i have i, I have. shared their post on after my story a few mm. days ago active intadhar really really nice page run by a group of brothers that i'm friends with um yeah, I think it's probably, I might be wrong, but it sounds like they made that organization on the back of this hadith. Beautiful hadith. Possibly. And another hadith that I did want to share, and you know, like I mentioned earlier, people actually wait for the return of Imam al-Mahdi. And I didn't know that, you know, just waiting is a form of worship. And I came oh, across yeah. another uh, a narration of Bihar al-Anwar, and this is by Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he says, awaiting the relief, the faraj, you know, with patience is a form of worship mm. and this is related to Imam, Imam al-Mahdi al-Sharif. Yani just us thinking that the Mahdi will return and restore peace and justice around the world is a form of ibadah mm-hmm. and how lucky are we to be in a state of constant worship the fact that we pray for the return of Imam, Imam Sahib al-Asri was Zaman I mean but I think to understand waiting we need to understand the Imam to understand the Imam we need to understand what the Imam needs for us from us to to then come back and to understand what what he needs from us means we need you know we have to understand our own responsibilities to understand our own responsibilities we have to understand this environment around us it's a cyclical relationship you know the world we live in how can we affect it us affecting it improves us as people mm. improving us as people improves our chances of working with the imam working with the imam or or hope for working with the imam being beside the imam working under his his blessed guidance and leadership is active intadhar. Inshallah, we can be amongst those who are, who are counted. Inshallah, I hope and I pray. And you know, there was yeah. many people who had actually DM'd us a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the questions so was, many. you know, is Palestine related to Imam al-Mahdi's return? And, and that's just one of many, I think, tens and tens of questions that did come in. Um, but I don't think we can answer them. When, and yeah. I'll be honest, like I'm no scholar, I'm no We're not expert, in a position, I'm yeah. not even... But, but, but we, what we could say, sorry said, is like in general, yeah. oppression of course mm. is linked to the coming of the Imam. You know, surely like it's Palestine and Yemen and so many, over a thousand years, people have been waiting for the Holy Imam. Mm. And how many acts of genocide have we seen over a thousand years or brutal tyranny or whatever it might be? You know, around the world, it's happened so often, and at every point, people are saying, "Ya Imam, Adrikni, you know, al ajal, You know, this is where we call for help for the Imam, we call for the reappearance. I said so. Uh, it's you know, these, you know, that like du'a adam al bala. This is a du'a we can read every day as well, alongside du'a al faraj or du'a al ahad. 
we'll do our nudba. Like these are the du'as we can do to strengthen our. our well, we have our many treasures that we can build a connection with the Imam of our time. I just think we need to take the initiative to take that step. So, and yeah. if we want to say, you know, we are truly waiting for the return of Imam Sahib al-Asr we have to take those steps. We have to read those ad'iyah. We have to ask and understand what he wants from us. Yeah. And just by the hadith I mentioned earlier, you know, we need to be at a state of taqwa. Yeah. So that's a separate conversation that in, is in itself. Conversation. And I believe we should have a conversation on yeah, taqwa. Yeah, we should. And so this might be our last episode. We yes, don't know. Yes. Uh, for season two, mm. brothers, sisters. Um, it's been a really difficult episode. We, to be really honest with you, we had we had a different episode. I I, I want to make this clear as well. Like the last our last episode with Sheikh Mahdi, which was a beautiful discussion. Sheikh Mahdi was recorded, mm. Yeah, it was recorded before um, the recent conflict kicked off. So there's a reason why we haven't had this conversation. And this today, what you're seeing is uh, is because um, it's been happening for a long time now, and we had to put aside our other planned discussion to have this conversation. But We've got a busy few weeks coming ahead. Uh, inshallah, we are traveling a lot. After Maghrib, we'll be at the Space Conference in Vancouver, if you haven't already seen. Um, and that's on the 10th and the 11th of November in Vancouver. So check it out. We'll be there doing a live podcast. We'll also be do delivering a workshop on media um, and how to influence narratives of media. We'll also be attending ABSOC events. Um, which I don't know by the time if it comes out. If we've so we have a lot. busy November. We've got a very busy November. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Events to attend. We're traveling. Mm. So inshallah with your prayers. And then we will probably be back if we don't record. If we if you don't see us next week, we'll probably be back in a few weeks. Inshallah. And if you, yeah, as, as Ahmed said, I echo the same thing. If you don't, if we don't see a, an additional episode coming out, yeah. coming out after this, inshallah, we will keep you posted and updated yeah. as we go. And you know, Make sure you do subscribe so you know when the next episode does release. Yeah, yeah. So don't hit forget to hit that button. and smash that subscribe algorithm, button. Algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. Likes matter on YouTube. Honestly speaking, like... And all lives matter. Yeah, all likes matter. All lives matter. Yeah. sense. Well, we don't like all lives. But that's a different conversation. All lives matter. Not for me. Anyway, but um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I used to, when I was young, I used to think about the likes on YouTube. Why does it matter? Surely people only care about subscribers. But the likes matter because, brothers and sisters, if you like these videos on YouTube, um, it gets recommended. It gets recommended, and it show up shows up on other people's feeds, and people, you know, will say on YouTube, people who've subscribed to this channel also watch these videos, and it will show, for example, after Maghrib podcast or Jamaa nights, and it will show videos that show up on our page. So help us grow, and I don't know if we're giving benefit to you guys. Inshallah, we have across season two, and yeah. I hope it's been worth it. I think it has been worth it. Yeah, especially you by my side. <laughs> make me blush. La, astaghfirullah. <laughs> okay, guys, I think we should call it a wraps. Um, yeah. I, I I don't think there's much more I can add value when it comes to the yeah, discussion same. of Palestine. I, I I think I've done the best I can in within my capacity here on this platform yeah there's things i wish that i can discuss that I've, I've held myself from discussing yeah yeah likewise but, uh, inshallah it's been beneficial there's some things of history i've learned today that you've mentioned likewise. i didn't know yeah didn't likewise, know about. Bro, uh, alhamdulillah I, I think and i can only pray that this just ends the occupation ends you know the palestinians get the freedom that they want and everyone lives a better life and has, and has the life and yeah, the aspirations Rabbi. to grow up as a human being. Yeah, Rabbi, inshallah. We pray for peace in the region. We pray for peace for all people in the region. And we pray for uh, unity amongst religions as well. Um, amongst especially our Abrahamic brothers and sisters 
Christians and the Jews and the Muslims. The true Muslims and the true Jews and Christians of this world will prosper together and will celebrate together. And, and coexist. And coexist. Yeah. And, you know, being able to have coherent conversation with people from other faiths is critical. That dialogue, that interfaith is so important to building that harmonious world that we aspire to live in and that we aspire to create for the awaited imam. Um, but it needs us to to think on a bigger picture. We're not kids anymore, guys. Like if you're listening, like put aside the memes for a second or Call of Duty for a second, and like just think real talk. Do you know, real like we yeah. we are we're we're living in in a, a wider society. Like we have to build relationships with people. We have to try and make it leave a footprint on this world. Um, and there's a way of doing that. Um, you might call into your local news and change people's opinions. Um, and call into radio and change people's opinions. You might share something online and it might change someone's opinion. Someone said to me on a WhatsApp group yesterday, why would a guy like me share on Instagram? All my followers are Shia. Everyone already knows. Bro, share it, man. Like, if you don't know, there might be someone out there who doesn't know or whose heart might well, be touched. Well, they need a reminder. They need a reminder. Their heart might be touched. They might, they might aspire for the cause of justice more, you know, so... Yeah, there's a lot of work to do. There really, really is. There is. I, 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 I wanted to take one angle in this conversation, by the way, but I refrained from doing so, which was the emotional side. You know, being a father, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate who are fathers oh or mothers or who has, you know, siblings or little brothers and sisters. Bro, like some things that you see oh God, and, the, and the footage that comes out is just unbelievable. Like, yani, I, words cannot express the, yeah. the disbelief and shock that I... That, of footage that I've seen. Yani, yeah. Inshallah, it's a conversation that we will stop having one day. Yeah. And we pray that this all ends. But I think the best way to end off this conversation is Inshallah with Dua Al-Faraj. Bismillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma kun li waliyaka al-Hajjat ibn al-Hasan. Salawatuka alayhi wa ala abai. Bi hadihi al-Sa'a wa fi kulli sa'a. Waliyan wa hafidha wa qa'idhan wa nasira. Wa dalilan wa ayna hatta tiskinuhu ardata taw'a. وتمتعه فيها طويلة برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين. صلى الله محمد وآل محمد. Brothers and sisters, we will see you soon. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned, and we will be back soon. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon. والسلام.